We're reading from 1 John chapter 1, and I know we started this last week, but I wanted to continue on with those verses. And the title of the message today is Walking in the Light. Now, last week we spoke about how that John begins to present this message, how that John talks about it. And um, I, I mentioned that here I am, I'm, I'm, I know Steve very well, and I have Walt come up here, and I'm trying to tell Walt about Steve, okay? So I'm telling Walt, you know, you've got to know Steve. He's this guy over here, sits in church, and I'm telling Walt that. And what I'm doing is I'm explaining to Walt what Steve is like. John, in the gospel, is saying, I, John, and we, the disciples, he's telling us about Jesus, okay? And John is telling us, I, I saw him, I verified what he taught, I verified what he did, I handled it, I saw it, I listened to him, and he's telling us so that we can have the same communion with Christ as John did. And that's what we find in, in 1 John as we're reading it. Do you want to open the windows? I'm hot. You all hot? I see a few of these fans going. So, you know, open a few windows and... So, this is, this is what we read in 1 John chapter 1, ver- beginning at verse 1. And this was our message last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. From the very first day, we were there. Okay, John is saying this, we were there. We meaning the disciples and himself. Taking it all in, we heard it with our own ears, we saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. So John is telling us, hey, I want what I'm about to tell you, I saw, I heard, and I verified. Okay? Now, the word of life appeared right before our eyes. Jesus came to life, as it were, as the Son of God and resurrected from the dead. Okay? The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you, in most sober, most sober prose, meaning in the simplest language possible, I'm telling you what we witnessed was incredible. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. God, Jesus, became, as a, he was the son of God, and that whole thing unveiled its, and he unveiled it before us. Verse 3. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you. Okay, John is friends with Jesus, and now he's telling us this is what happened. So that you, meaning us, can experience it along with him and the others, this experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will, be, will double our joy. We want you to experience the same joy that we had, that I had, in knowing Christ as my friend and my Savior, I want you to experience that same joy, and I'm writing this to you. Then verse 5, which is our message today, 5, 6, and 7. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. But if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another. 
as a sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, God's Son, purges all our sin. So, verse 5 says, The message I heard from Christ, and now I am giving to you. So it's that this continued um, presentation of the gospel that tells us that John, and, you know, and I, I, I really like John's writing. I, I like to read John because he's, this, he's a very, I think, very sensitive person. You know, like the Apostle Paul, he is one of these very intelligent, in-your-face, you know, <laughs> do this, this is how it is. And John is more of the... Um, He's the beloved disciple. He's more easygoing. He's, he's more, this is the revelation. This is the truth. This is what we heard. This is what we saw. This is what I want. You know, so he's presenting the message of Jesus Christ to us so that we can pick it up, so that we can, we can bring this into our own life. And he wants us to experience the very same thing that he did. You know, He wants to experience the very same thing that we did. Do you ever go to... Um, well, we're talking going to the cow, the restaurant, you know. She goes down to the, the ice cream place, the cow. They have the best ice cream around. And, and, and you know, when you have, the, you have your own favorite place. Oh, no, I like the um, frogs. What's the frogs? Sweet frogs. I like sweet frogs because I like yogurt. Is it yogurt? Yeah. I like yogurt. And I want, but what are we doing? We're wanting people to experience the same thing we did. We're wanting people, so what do we do? We say, well, you know, I like it with all the little swirls in. You know, I like it. The kids like those, uh, what are those things you dump on there? Sprinkles, yeah. Uh, you need to get a sprinkle. No, you need to go get pistachio. Pista pistachio. <laughs> you know, that stuff, the pistachio ice cream. You get that at the meadows. You see, I make my rounds, you know. To, <laughs> you can tell where I spend my time, sweet frogs, meadows, and wherever, ice cream places. But, uh, you know, so we have different people have different things that they like, and what do we do? We tell other people about it. Why? So they can experience something similar to us. We enjoyed it. Well, John is doing this very same thing with us. He's telling you and I in his writings that Jesus Christ, I want you to experience the same relationship with Jesus that I experience. And whenever we think back and we look at Christ, it's, it's hard for us to imagine that God became man and was here. It's hard for us to imagine that God became man and that he was able to do all of these things. Anybody remember, I mean, as you think about last week's message, I, I, I thought about that one part of the message that, you know, it, God in Christ was here. And Jesus did numerous miracles. But it's almost like, if, can you imagine Jesus being here like with the Midas touch, you know, touch this, turn it to gold, palm tree over there, palm tree, and, you know, lake over here, lake, you know, he could speak, he could speak everything into existence. But he wasn't here to prove he could create. He was here to give us his word that that the word would give us life. And he did the miracles to verify and to, to as it were, to um, substantiate that he was God, but it was his word that brings us life. And that's what John is telling us. The word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
The Word, as we read the Word, as we read the Scriptures, it brings life to us. Jesus, the name of Jesus, brings peace and salvation and forgiveness. So the, the, the Word of God brings life to us, and John is saying, I want the thoughts of Christ, I want the motives of Christ, I want the Word of Christ, His message, to the world, to the church, to be shared by you and to be heard by you, to be experienced by you, so that you can have this friendship with Jesus just like I did. Wow, that's quite, a, that's quite an undertaking. I'm going to have the same relationship with Jesus that John had? Well, he lived 2,000 years ago. How can I have it? Well, Christ is with us by his Spirit everywhere we go. So the message of Jesus Christ that John writes to us is verse 5, God is light. God is light. Light represents all that is good, all that is pure, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is reliable. So when we think of that Jesus being the light, he represents light, that which is pure, holy, and true. Sounds a lot like Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. Paul writes this, he says, summing up, uh, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your mind and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best and not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What does the light do? The light of God shining on our lives, in our lives, causes us to see what is just. What is pure? The light helps us to see the lovely, the good report, the virtue, things worth praising, and that we are to occupy our mind and our thinking with these things that are good. And the light of Christ helps us see these things. The light illuminates these things around us. It illuminates these things even in our own lives. See, the light of Christ shines on the qualities. Okay? The light of Christ shines on these qualities, and we have Christ in us, and we're able to see these things. We're able to see good where people don't see good. <laughs> people don't see good. I can't blind. No. Where people don't, you know, where people don't see the good in life, God enables us to see it. Why? Because God is light. God is perfectly holy. He is true. And that he alone can guide us out of the darkness. Out of the darkness that shades, covers our thinking. God wants us to see his work in us. And he wants to see his work in others. Think on these things. Now, when the lights go on, okay, in the dark, you ever, you ever been uh, spelunking? 
caving? <laughs> you ever been in a cave? How many have been in caves? Shut the lights off? <laughs> what happens? It's dark. <laughs> you want to know what dark is? Go in a cave. You know? Go in a cave. And do you, you ever notice the animals, some of the little animals that live in the, in the caves, that they don't have eyes? What good are eyes in darkness? So you shine light on them and they're oblivious to it. And some of them, they haven't got to the place where they, they still have very expanded eyes and light just, you know, just they run away. Well, light exposes whatever exists. When the light of Christ shines, you and I are able to see both good and evil. Why? Because light brings that out. People who live in darkness don't see a difference between good and evil. Okay, we talk about our, our society. We talk about, um, you know, how the people look at life. And, you know, they, they look at values that we would have, that we have as Christians, and they would say, well, those values don't really matter. They're really not that important. Looking at them from darkness, they both look the same. So that when we have different values and we have different ways of looking at things, we have different ways of acting, we have different ways of talking, we have different ways of expectations and believing, it's because there is a light in our life, Jesus Christ, who shines upon all of our lives and you know, on, on all that we say and do, and that which is good, we see it. That which is wrong, which is going to hurt, harm, destroy, we recognize it. But people who live in darkness, people who don't have the light of Christ, their life, their morals, their values, they don't see any different. Well, you can do that if you please, but we're going to do this. Hmm. So light exposes good and bad. In the dark, good and evil, they look the same. Now, the Ten Commandments. I just thought I'd read over these a little bit. The Bible, you know, the Ten Commandments are, have no other gods before you. Now, we believe that God is the creator. He, Jesus Christ, God became flesh and dwelt among us. God, Jesus Christ is it. Now, there are people who do not believe in Christ as the light of the world. So what do they say? Well, Jesus is one of many ways to God. Because from the darkness, Buddha, Confucius, Jesus, they all look the same. Why? Because they're good teachers. They present some type of moral uh, morality in the world, so they're all the same. But from the light... Jesus says that, you know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God but by him. And that he is the only one of any of these teachers who was, whose, whose life was foretold for 1,500 years, whose prophecies about his life and how he would come, where he would be born, how he would be born, his life that he would live, his death that he would have, and his resurrection that would come were all foretold before he came, and he's the only one to rise from the dead. So from that perspective, he is not just one of many ways, he is the light. 
Have no other gods before you. No idols. <laughs> well, it's kind of an easy one. In the darkness, people said, well, you know, it's all the same. Whether you worship God or go to church on Sunday or don't go to church or you don't do this, you know, that <laughs> what you worship. Um, we, we, can, we can bow at the idol of uh, the television or um, we can bow at the idol of, of money or we can worship the idol of whatever. We can, we can have many different idols. Next one goes on, not take God's name in vain. Well, they're all words. Darkness says it's all words. Isn't it funny? You don't say, well, Confucius uh, curse you. <laughs> You know, you don't, you know, when we say the name, they say the name of Jesus Christ and people use it in a very derogatory manner. Why? Why would that name be so important to use in a derogatory means? You know, taking God's name in vain is applying something that is holy to that which is not holy. <laughs> you know, um, one, one person would, you know, talk about hell in a very... <laughs> holy setting, and I would say there is no such place as a holy hell. <laughs> you know, I'd always remind him, and he would do, you know, he would curse, and I'd say, I don't think there is such a person. Or do you know that person? I know him too. You know, the name of Jesus. They would use it, and they would, you know, curse, and I'd say, I know that guy. Have you met him? <laughs> they would laugh. So, but, you know, or they would talk about sacred things and apply them to un unholy things, and it's like, have you ever seen that, you know? <laughs> so, anyhow, do not take God's name in vain. From a dark perspective, from the, where the light is not shining, it doesn't mean anything. Honor your father and mother. Not murder. Do not commit adultery. Don't steal. See, stealing, that's, that's, um, do you ever, you, you hear about these scams and things that people are doing? It's stealing and coveting kind of like the, kind of somewhat the same. Stealing is you just take from somebody. Coveting is, um, I think I've said this before, uh, that uh, Steve has a brand new Chevy, brand new, you know, he has, an, he has it in his garage and he allows me to go see it. And so um, I say, well, you know, I not only want a Corvette, I will not be happy until I have his. <laughs> That's coveting. Wanting to have one like his, that's not coveting. See? Don't cover. So scams, scams are coveting. They call you up and they get your social security number. They get these things from you. And then they go and take what you have. They covet what you've got and they're going to take it. And from the dark side, what does it matter? I'm going, you know, I'm going to, you got it. I want it. I'm going to take it. So there is no light, and see, the light of Jesus Christ enables us to see things differently, enables us to see that there is a right and a wrong. Hmm. In the light of Christ, his laws, the laws of God, are to protect us and to provide for us. The commandments are to protect us. You see, four of these commandments deal with our relationship with God. Six of them deal with our relationship with people. And they protect us. They protect in, in how we approach life. 
they protect us in how that we deal with life. And so God, looking out for our interests, gives us laws, gives us these things that will let us know, don't go there because in the long term, this is going to hurt you. This is not good for you. And so God puts these things in place so that we could protect ourselves and protect others. God's light, there is not a trace of darkness in him. There is not a trace of darkness in God. It is impossible for God to think evil about you. Well, what about my sins? God, our sin, my sin, separates me, puts a barrier up. But God doesn't see my sin. He sees my need. He, God, extends his forgiveness and his love to me, but my sin puts the barriers up and says, no, I don't, I don't want that. God isn't thinking evil of me. My sin hinders his love from getting to me. So if I confess my sin, he forgives, removes the barrier so that there is nothing standing between God and I. That's why forgiveness is so important. So that forgiveness can come into my life and my name can be written in his book of life in which I will live forever. So God wants us to live in a relationship with him. Now, God does not remember our sins. God doesn't remember our sins. When we confess our sins, he forgives us. Forgiveness is, this is, I remember this illustration, you know, like I've got my, all my notes written up here, you know, okay? Say that's our sin, okay? Those are our sins. Well, when we forgive our sins, he doesn't erase. Starts all over again. It's a clean sheet. We do something that God can't do. We can remember what our sins are. He won't. So when God looks at our life, so if we feel guilty about something we did, but we've asked God to forgive us of, that's not God making us feel guilty. That's us. Because the relationship we have with God is in the light of who he is, and God does not have one trace of darkness in him. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> so, God has plans in for us. God has a, an expectation for us. And in verse 6 and 7, he says, If we claim that we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark. What this is, there, were, there, was a, there was false teachers who were in the church at that time, and they were claiming that to have fellowship with God, that you could, that the body, okay, the body was absolutely worthless, and so therefore, because the body's going to die, so therefore, you had to purge the body, okay? That meant you would be in fastings and, and beatings and, you know, anything to discredit or, or hurt the body. Or the other way was that nothing was to be withheld from the body. So whatever physical lust or gratification should be there, it's all okay because the body's going to die anyhow. Well... John is telling, you people who run around and believe that are stumbling around in the darkness and we're not living what we claim. We claim to be a Christian, 
John's writing to them, and you want fellowship with God, but you can't have fellowship whenever you think of your body in the way that you do. And that's why he's saying about those stumbling around in the darkness. But he says in verse 7, if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another. A shared life. We have a shared life with God, and we have a shared life with other believers. We're part of the family of God. We're part of God's family, and it's our responsibility to care for the body of Christ, to pray for one another, to help one another, to be, to be there to, to help them. So we are one body, one spirit, we have one calling, we have one hope, and it's all there in Christ, and we have a shared life. No negative thoughts. Because the light of Christ exposes what is true, what is lovely, what is pure. It doesn't mean that we're um, Pollyanna. It doesn't mean that we don't see, you know, gullible. We don't see any bad things. It, the light of Christ helps us to see both good and evil that we're able to see it, we're able to understand it, and we're able to say, I'm not going there. Because of the strength that Christ gives us. The light of Christ in us, and so God allows that light to shine in our lives, and then we become the light of Christ for others. That's why sometimes people don't like us. (laughs) Because we don't have the same values that they do. Darkness doesn't like light especially if people live in the darkness, they don't like the light around them because it helps them see things as being good and evil. And darkness doesn't like light, those who live. But God wants light to shine in us. God wants us to recognize the light of Christ and how pure it is. Now, from our perspective, and for you, me, in our relationship with God, the light of Christ shines upon our lives If there is sin in our life, God wants it confessed and out of the way. But God wants to bring about that which is pure, that that which is lovely, that which is a good report, that which is virtuous and praiseworthy. God is our biggest fan. God is the one who is our biggest encourager. He wants us to be filled with his spirit, to be overflowing with his spirit, his creativity, his love, his guidance, and it is seeing the possibilities, seeing the possibilities of what we can become. And then in Revelation 21, I'll finish with this. I talked about the Ten Commandments, and I'll jump down to verse 8 of of chapter 21. It says, but for the rest, the feckless. (laughs) I had to look that one up. The, the, the Message Bible has it as feckless and faithless. Feckless means ineffective and irresponsible. But for the ineffective and irresponsible and faithless, degenerates, murderers, sex peddlers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, for them it's the lake fire and brimstone, the second death. So there is, when the light shines, <laughs> whoa, There is a future when the light shines. For those who are in darkness, those who are irresponsible with the gift of life. But let's go back to verse 1. To those who have accepted Christ, I saw heaven and earth new created. 
Gone are the first heaven. Gone the first earth. Gone is the sea. Everything that we know is all gone. I saw holy Jerusalem, new created, descending, resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. There, his home, he's their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone. Crying gone. Pain gone. All the first order of things are gone. The enthroned continued. Look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down. Each word, dependable and accurate. John, who wrote what we just talked about in 1 John, John's Gospel, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation, all written by the same guy. The same guy met the same Jesus and writes to us about him and writes to us about what's coming in heaven for us. The creation of a new heaven, a new earth. Everything is made new. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. The light shines in our life to bring about newness of life, newness of thought. Think on the things which are lovely, which are pure, which are a good report. It's hard for me to see those things. Let the light of Christ help us see those things in our own life and the lives of those around us. We do not allow the negativity of life to destroy us. We see it. We don't pretend it doesn't exist. We see it, but we don't go there. Then he said, it's happened. I'm the A to Z. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning. I'm the conclusion. From water of life, well, I give freely to the thirsty. Conquerors inherit all this. That's us. I'll be God to them. They'll be sons and daughters to me. We will be his children for eternity. John says, hey, David, talking to me, talking to you, this Jesus that I'm talking about, let me tell you about him. That you can have the same friendship with him as I have. And he's the one who keeps you, protects you, watches over you. And it is his spirit, which is the light of life, that illuminates all the good in us and in the world around us. Shall we stand? <laughs> Amen. May the light of Christ shine upon our hearts and our lives. May the light of Christ shine upon our pathway. May the light of Christ take away our blindedness of what we can't see. May the light of Christ illuminate the truth about ourselves and about others. May the light of Christ show that which is good, that which is lovely, that which is pure, that which is of a good report. May the light of Christ help us to see his beauty that is in me, that is in others. May the light of Christ expose 
what I need to say and do in light of my relationship with him. Amen? God bless you. Amen? Go have cake. Ha, ha, ha.